for listening to the Young Baptist Podcast. We're a podcast committed to the centrality of the gospel and to encouraging believers to be captivated all over again by the beauty and glory of Christ. My name is Josh Johnson, and I'm back with my co-host, Clay Maynard. What's going on, Clay? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. Blessed and highly favored. Aren't there Christians who say that still? I'm pretty sure that's in the Bible. So yeah, probably. Well, <laughs> I know, but it was a very common <laughs> greeting. Yeah. It's great to have you back, Josh. How are you feeling? Are you back 100%? No, not really. I mean, sort of mostly, but I wake up every morning and still have like some lingering chest congestion. So I haven't really gone back out running yet. Um, did get back in the gym. So I'm, I'm lifting mediumly heavy things, not actually heavy things because okay. I'm a small man. Taking it easy. Yeah, just trying to take it easy. But it's. Uh, I'm glad that's over. I hate being sick. The worst. Do you want to know the worst part about being sick? I want to know the worst part. The worst part the about- The dementors? The, no, not this time. <laughs> I didn't have the dementors this time. This time, this go around, the worst part of being sick was I missed a tea time with your brother, Russell, and I couldn't go because I was sick. Oh, it's awful, man. That's pretty rough. That's horrible. That's rough. I The worst thing in the world about being sick is canceling stuff. Mm -hmm. And I am- Now, if I miss work, I don't mind missing work because you're at work every day and you have to get sick at some point. It's just the nature just of happens. life. Yeah. So I don't worry too much about that. But when I've made plans and it seems like every week I have something going on with somebody, something I'm looking forward to on the weekend or, you know, we're going to have dinner with somebody or whatever. And anytime we're sick, it almost always affects that. Yep. I hate it. I just sit there and like mope about it. Like, man, I was really looking forward to getting dinner with so-and-so. I was really looking forward to going out with so-and-so or whatever it is. And just ruins my vibe, man. I hate that. It does. It harshes the mellow, if I can say that. <laughs> but hey, that was the weekend of the US Open, so I watched that instead. That's good. I live vicariously through all those people, <laughs> all the professionals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, get uh, get to watch people who just make you mad and jealous and sort make it look of. so easy. But it, it is sort of satisfying. It's almost like vacuuming a floor and getting every single inch something about watching professional golfers that you're like yeah i could do that but the number of people at the open that were like two and three putting it was so encouraging like it oh i'm happen. just that bad too so like hey we, we all have these struggles <laughs> yeah what they do for at, what they do for one or two holes per 18 we just do it for like for all of 17 them. of yes, the 18 yeah <laughs> we have that one lucky birdie or one lucky par yes. and, we're and just it makes like, your whole day yeah. you come home just pumped. That's right. right. You're like, oh yeah, I got that birdie. What'd you shoot? I, like 140. <laughs> <laughs> I shot 29 over, but yeah. you know. Well, happy 4th of July, everybody. Hope you're enjoying your, your holiday. Or if you're listening to this after 4th of July, I hope you enjoyed it and ate some hamburgers and hot dogs and celebrated America and your freedom. Yeah. And why we're better than everybody else. That's exactly Especially it. Especially Great Britain. Yeah. So they're, they're terrible. and Take that. Yeah, they can suck it. <laughs> they, can, they, can, they can pull out their suck it and suck it. Yeah, that's right. Market that to the U.S. Army. Um, seriously, we're Shout glad to be Americans. So, hey, praise God for America. Yes, I'm glad for our country. I praise God that we live in a country that's been so free and so um, beneficial to Christians. Yep. You know, it's uh, from the beginning that that idea of religious freedom, that we were free to worship God. And it wasn't always practiced perfectly, especially at the in the early days, but those founding documents stated it well, and we've strived to live up to that and uh, imperfectly, but it's created a great place for, we've really, Josh, lived, had an oasis of, of real beauty when it comes to being able to do ministry and spread the gospel and um, preach, preach the truth of, the, of God's word. I mean, it's getting, we're getting more and more hostile to Christian, Christianity as we go along, 
but we are at the tail end of the golden era of religious freedom, in my opinion, yeah. in the world. Which is why discipleship is just absolutely important in our churches. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially as you, especially as we come out of the, let's say a Christian, a favorable Christian culture to a post-Christian culture. Yeah, it's, it's even more important why, uh, why we need to be talking regularly in our churches about engaging with the culture and how to reach a culture that doesn't, um, that doesn't accept our framework and doesn't agree on our founding principles. And have that, have that mentality in our churches to, to build up and disciple one another. So that's the second time I've made a super buttery transition and no acknowledgement of it. <laughs> I, I thought you might be still completing, completing the segue. No, like that was the segue. That's why that couple of seconds ago I said, which is why discipleship is so important in our churches. And I just thought, man, I just set him up for a home run. I didn't know if you wanted to. And he to, was like, no, let's just keep going. I didn't know if you wanted to land the transition for us. <laughs> Wow, which sets us up great for what we're going to talk about today, Josh. Yeah, so if you're listening on the small group, you get to hear all of this. Everybody <laughs> this, else just gets to hear the, wow, junk. that's so great. <laughs> oh. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. Josh, we're going to talk about discipleship today. We're mm -hmm. taking a, a little bit of longer break from our uh, Major Bible Doctrines series and talking about a very, very important topic, one that we don't necessarily have the corner on, and that's not what we're doing, but this has been a... This podcast has always been a learning process for us too, as the hosts. And I love that part of this podcast, mm -hmm. how much I've learned as we explore and dig and talk about these topics and invite guests on to, to help our understanding of them. Um, we're going to talk about discipleship today and what it is, uh, what does it mean to have a discipleship focus in our church? Uh, what is a discipleship focus? Is it possible to have churches that are not discipleship focused? A hundred percent. Yeah. And then uh, how do we measure discipleship effectiveness? You know, when you're looking in your church, how do you know whether or not what you're doing is helping in that, in that area? And what are some ideas for changing a church into a more discipleship focused culture? So you ready to get started with this, Josh? Let's answer that first question, Clay. What is discipleship? Here's what I put down. Tell me what you think. Discipleship is the intentional development of believers by believers into the image of Christ. Or another way you can say it is to make a disciple is to help push someone closer to Jesus. It's a great definition. Uh, I know Jeff Vanderstelt, and I'm borrowing from the book, um, Saturate. He says, discipleship is leading people to increasingly submit every aspect of their lives to the empowering presence and power of Jesus. So um, that's what discipleship is. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's leading people that don't know Jesus to Jesus, and then leading people who do know Jesus closer to Jesus and making our lives more like him. I think that's kind of sums that up, right? Yep. That's why I put in my little statement here. It's the intentional development of believers by believers, yep. because if this doesn't happen, I reckon a person could become a better disciple just through their own scripture reading and prayer and stuff. But Truthfully, you come closer to Christ as others bring you into those discipleship moments. Yeah. You can't do it alone, though. Uh, I think you could you can supplement your discipleship journey with alone time. That's certainly a part of it. You have to have a unique personal relationship with Christ 
but you, it, it cannot exist on its own because right. the community aspect of discipleship is not optional. The idea that you could become who you need to be in Christ without the community of believers uh, is not something scripture ever speaks to. Mm-mm. Um, I think the, the focus of discipleship is, starts with Matthew 28. It says, Jesus says to the disciples, uh, verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Uh, and here he's, he says to teach all nations. In another place, he says, make disciples of all nations. So essentially that's the same thing. To disciple people is to teach them what it is to follow Christ and become like him. Yep. So I have listed here that there's several elements of discipleship. Uh, the first one is evangelism. That is reaching unbelievers with the good news of the gospel. And that's the first thing that it speaks to here. It says going, that word go in verse 19. That's what that's a reference to. It's going to somebody who doesn't know the truth of the gospel. But in addition to, the, to being evangelized and, and hearing the gospel and reaching others with the gospel, there is growing in knowledge of God and scripture. That is, I think, a major factor in discipleship. John 8, 31 and 32, they said unto those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So growing in the knowledge of God's word, Jesus says, uh, you have to... Um, you have to continue in my word. But it's conditional. It's an if-then statement. If yes. you continue in his word, then you are his disciple. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't continue in the word, you're not going to grow in discipleship. Right. And you're not, and you're not a disciple. There's a, it, there's a possibility that, you are conver- that, you've, that you've trusted Christ for salvation, but that you're not growing. You're not, you're not an actual disciple. You know, the, it's an interesting thing because we refer in America to being a Christian. I am a Christian and everybody's a Christian and everybody's mom and, and aunt is a Christian, especially here in the South. That's maybe not as much of a thing on the West Coast or right. in, in New England, but especially the middle of the country and the Southern part of the country. I mean, you go to Texas, there's, I heard somebody recently say, there are more Baptists in Texas than there are people. <laughs> it's, it's possible. <laughs> Which is, it's a lot of Baptists, yeah. but, um, but there's a lot of people who say I'm a Christian, but actually, in the book of Acts, they were called Christians. It says that after they'd continued there for a year and they were uh, breaking bread and in the fellowship of the saints and going from house to house and they'd continued for a year and it says, and they were called Christians at Antioch. So being called Christian in Acts meant you were one of those people who were absolutely passionately pursuing Christ. It wasn't some passive state of being. It wasn't, oh, at one time I put my faith and trust in Christ. So Christians in, in the book of Acts really were disciples. They were people pursuing Christ. And then you have someone, I think it was Simon in the book of Acts who was passionate, had zeal for, for, uh, the, the, the word, but he was going around teaching the baptism of John and he had two people come alongside him and essentially disciple him to Mm -hmm. teach him the, the truth of the scripture, which is the work of the church at the end of the day. That's what second Timothy two is talking about. When Paul's talking to Timothy, he tells them to um, commit to faithful men the things that he'd heard so that they can turn around and teach other people also. Yeah, That's absolutely. the work of the church is to not just get people in the door, but to teach them so that they can teach the people around them. Yeah, and that's that's important. 
you, you can't, this is one of the reasons you can't be a disciple by, by yourself. And that's because you can stray so easily. If you're just trusting your own intellect and instinct, you can stray so easily. And it's the work of the church to keep all of us grounded. And if we're, if we're allowing our flesh to kind of help create blind spots in our practice of Christianity, we need others to say, Hey, I'm noticing this, or, Hey, this, this is concerning to me. Um, and to remind us, even if they're not being that in your face, just to remind us of those things we need to hear. Um, we, I think that a big part of uh, discipleship, we've talked about evangelism, growing in knowledge of God in the scripture, and growing in your devotion to God, your personal devotion to God. Uh, Jesus tells them, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So that's a growing devotion, a, a willingness to put Jesus first in your life over and above all the other distractions and things that could, uh, that could, be, that could take that primary seat uh, in the love and pursuit of your heart. And so the, the next thing is to, in addition to growing in your personal devotion to God, we need to be growing in deeds of service to God and others. So uh, I think Philippians 2 speaks of this well. Paul says, if there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So part of a big part of discipleship is growing in your understanding that you don't exist for yourself. You exist to serve others and to give back and to be generous. And so growing in your deeds of service to God and others is a big part of discipleship. Um, which, the, which leads us to sort of the last thing, and you mentioned this reference, but it's growing leadership in disciple making. That's a big part of discipleship. It's not enough for us to have one leader in the church who basically becomes the, cent the gravity center of discipleship in the church. You mentioned 2 Timothy 2, where, where he says, hey, the things that we've taught you, you have to commit that to somebody else and then teach them to teach. So there has to be a replication in discipleship. Um, and that's all of us reaching one person and then teaching that one person to reach somebody else. Uh, and then turning around and doing it again, looking for another person that we can reach. Um, so that's, that is the essence of disciple making. It's not, it's not you, one person having this really shallow but broad approach. It's you having a, a, an appropriately broad approach but also realizing you need to build depth. You know, you need to, we need to create leadership with the people we're bringing to Christ, teach, teaching them. I mean, Josh, if I, I work at a bank, I've only been at this bank for like five years. If somebody started brand new and they were like, hey, can you help me th with this? And I was like, that's not my job. My job's not to, which technically I'm a manager, so it is my job. But if it wasn't, if, if I was like, oh, I don't know, don't ask me, they'd be like, what have you been doing here for five years? You can't, you can't help me with this. And so if we've got people who sit in churches for 30 years, and if somebody were to go to them and say, hey, I want to understand my Bible more. Hey, what, what could you point me to that would help me? And they're like, do I look like the pastor to you? I'm not a Sunday yeah. school teacher. As I was about to say that, I think a lot of the consumerism that has permeated our culture has killed discipleship in many churches because churches become more of an experience than a commitment for people. And so they don't actually plug into discipleship they never actually get discipled because if it's just an experience well you don't have to grow followers of jesus yes. truthfully mm. they're just there to consume and so i think we're seeing now as we see this is a side rail i guess but as we see generations coming up and generations walking away from the church we're seeing the fruit of a an experience focus instead of an intentional discipleship focus 
of teaching others who teach others who teach others. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. We can, we can totally shift that yeah. and change the direction. Um, yeah, which, which know, is why we wanted to do this episode. Yeah. I think, cause it does take intentionality. I think the human nature is to judge our worship service experience uh, on Sunday as an experience, not as a service not as a way for us to serve, not as a way for us to contribute, but as a way for us to decide when we left, whether or not we enjoyed ourselves, whether mm-hmm. or not it really tickled our, our, you know, whether or not we felt the spidey senses while we were there. Um, and I'm being a little bit coy, but the truth is that is exactly how a lot of people approach a Sunday morning service. Did I enjoy it? Did I feel f- spiritually enriched? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not uh, on disciple, being a disciple, growing in your discipleship and making other disciples. Well, and doing this is not easy. Like we, we can sit here and talk about this for, 35 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, oh, that's just so simple. No, actually it, it really isn't. It's, it's not work. easy. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else to say on what a disciple, no, I don't what, think so, what no. discipleship is. Mm-hmm. So what is it? So the next thing, next question we wanted to address is what does discipleship focus mean? Um, and I have this quote uh, also from Jeff Vanderstelt. He says, any discipleship process that leads people to become more like Jesus will address the head, the heart and the hands what people know, what people feel and believe and what people do. So that being the case, realizing that discipleship has to be holistic, right? Uh, It's not just focused on just what you do, uh, but it's not focused just on what you believe and feel. And it's not focused just on what you know. It's all of those things. You disciple a whole person, right? You don't just disciple an aspect of them which is something, again, that kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, is missing, you know? As I saw this, this quote, he, he talks about the head, the heart, and the hands, what people know, what people believe, what people do. That, to me, speaks to a lot of the ditches you see when you, when you examine uh, modern American evangel- evangelical culture. For example, if you only address what people know, then you become one of these doctrine-focused churches that all we do is try to dig up and mine new things from scripture for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're not reaching anyone. We're just, we're just so enamored by um, the, the things in the scripture that maybe nobody even needs, right? But that are interesting. Like we're, we're treating the Bible instead of like a, a, um, a living book. It's a, more like right. a textbook. Yes, yeah. it's more like a, te- oh, I mean, that's perfect. A textbook more than a, a, a living book. If you only focus on what people feel, then you become the, the consumeristic, seeker-sensitive-only mm-hmm. model where it becomes an experience right. and not a commitment. And then if you focus only on what people do, then you become legalistic. Now I'm not focused on the heart and I'm not focused on, on knowing God better. I'm just focused on getting people to do what I want them to do. Well, and then on another side of that too is you become a church, you could also become a church that's so outwardly focused that you forget, like your your main focus becomes oh, we got to do all this in the community, but you're never actually reaching anybody. Yes. You're, you're visible, but you're not impacting people. Yeah. And your own, in that environment, I, it's probably true. I think in my experience, it's been true that, that your own discipleship, your personal discipleship starts to suffer because you're not growing deeper in the word. You're not demonstrating the fruits of the spirit in your life. You're, you're checking all these, these activities off, but, um, but it's all about the externality of it, you know, because the church is just so driven by the do and not, not enough around the be. And here's what you need to know. And here's what you need to believe. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a really interesting 
uh, thing. What does a discipleship focus mean? I, I just wrote down a few questions. Uh, how does a church focus on discipleship? What do we talk about? You know, what do we spend a lot of time in our services and in our small groups or Sunday school classes talking about? What do our programs center around? Uh, what do our scheduled activities reflect is our priority? And what does our spending center on? Um, these are just, I, I don't, I'm not saying everybody, it's going to look exactly the same for everybody. It's just some kind of um, self-reflection questions. Like what, how does what we say we're about making disciples? Right. Is it look, does it look that way? Well, and like, okay, so every church is emphasizing doctrine, hopefully. What is that doctrine's purpose? We have to ans answer that question. Why do we teach doctrine? What you're going back to with you when you said, yes. what are we talking about? Um, and I don't, I, I personally, I really enjoy talking about doctrine and studying all of that, but it's not, and I think we've talked about this on our, our systematic theology episodes or whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. It's not enough for doctrine just to, to be knowledge consumed. Yeah. It has to change your life. It should transform your life. So, so when we talk about, I think if I hear you right, when we talk about doctrine, we need to be making sure we're a connecting it to the, to the truth of the gospel on the one hand, rooting it in the truth of the gospel and in the nature and, and, and truth about God himself and connecting it on the other end to what it means for us. What is it actually, what is it supposed to change in us? Yeah. Cause, because then the, all the do's of the Christian life, all the things that, that we want to do for God and they're, those are good things. Now they're actually flowing from that source, that, that beautiful source of love for Jesus and a deeper understanding of who God is and how he works in the world. Yeah. Cause orthodoxy should always lead to orthopraxy every single time. And if it doesn't, you've got, you're out of alignment. And if we're orthodox in our doctrine, we'll be discipling people. Absolutely. It just goes back again to that intentional. It takes intentionality to, to have those conversations. And when you say I kind of, I keep coming back to that because I've had quite a few conversations about that with a friend of mine in the past. When you just go and observe the things that you talk about with people when you come to church, you reveal what your true priorities are when you're there gathering with your brothers and sisters. And how many, how often and how many times do we just come and talk about who won on Saturday, who's playing on Sunday, what the weather's going to be like on Monday, you know, all these different things. Oh, man. And those things aren't bad things. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not trying to say we shouldn't ever talk about stuff like that. But what do what is the primary focus of our conversation with our brothers and sisters? Is it Christ? Is it the gospel? Is it intentionally pushing each other closer to Christ, even in just the tiny little conversations that we have? Or is it on things that at the end of the day aren't going to, stack up for yep. a hill of beans. Yeah. And what you're speaking to there even address kind of not to rabbit trail too much, but it really addresses the subject of idolatry in our hearts. You know, we, do we struggle to put the emphasis on, on our brothers and sisters growing spiritually? And we struggle, like we have to remind, we have to really focus hard when we're at church to focus on Jesus and to focus on discipleship and focus on God's word. Cause we're so distracted by the things outside. And yet when we're outside the church, we're never tempted to slip into a conversation about the, the word of God. We're never tempted to, you know, th this says something about us mm -hmm. that I think we should take very seriously. Uh, have you ever heard that clip from David Platt where he's talking about the idolatry of college football? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where he talks where about if I, if I was an alien, if I came from third world country, came, yeah, yeah. somebody from third world country or an alien from another planet came and showed up and they, they were in the South and they 
were here on Saturday morning watching everybody get up early and get all their kids ready and get all the food out and doing big cookouts and showing up hours before the football game and then watching them cheer and watching all the emotion and watching all the expenditure. Yeah. And then they go home just depleted and happy and, and emotional and all this stuff. And then on Sunday morning, they drag out of bed, drag this, drag that, mad, frustrated, running late all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't want to be like, I don't, I'm not trying to beat anybody over the head, but that's a convicting thought. He said, if I was the alien, if I was a th- person from the third, third world country, what would I assume that you worshiped? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he did that when he was in Birmingham. So he did it when he was in Birmingham, yeah. bro. That's like, he was spitting fighting words yeah. over there in Birmingham. That's yeah. a religion up there. And he's not, he knows, he knew that. Um, he was attacking that. Which that's good sidebar. That's good pastoral work though, is, yes. is calling out idols. Yeah. Call, it's easy to call out the stuff that they're doing out there. It's really it's a lot more difficult to say, hey, let's talk about the things we struggle yeah. with. So the next question we have on here, what, how do we measure or track discipleship effectiveness? This was a hard one for me. This is a tough one. Because I don't really know that it's like a, this is a cut and dried answer. I feel like it's kind of case by case, you know, because I don't know yes. that there's like one stat or like item or whatever that gives a, a true uh, picture or snapshot of effective discipleship. Yeah. Because everybody's I, at some different place. Yes. And, and, you, and, and those, it, whatever metrics there are, will look different from place to place. It, it is so true. Um, well, and person to person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, absolutely. someone might be farther on their discipleship journey than someone else. So to, to question, well, this person here, that's only been walking with Jesus for yes. six months, isn't doing what this person here who's been walking with Jesus for six years, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you actually, how do you measure that? Mm-hmm. And everybody didn't start in the same place. You know, so if I, yeah. it's a whole lot easier to, to say that uh, uh, one person's metrics look good because they were raised in church and there's so much about doing Christianity that looks so much more natural for them mm-hmm. than somebody who's not, who didn't grow up with that framework. Uh, and this is why I think what, what I think we'd both agree on is this is a matter of spirit leading. So if you're a, if you're working in a church or you're a volunteer in a church or you're a leader, even pastor or something like that, we have to be careful not to be caught up with numbers only, you know, trying to, it's the frustrating part. Yes. Because oftentimes you can't see this until you've played the long game with it. Yeah. And I think you can sense uh, justice Brandeis quote. You don't, you don't, uh, you can't define it, but you know it when you see it kind of a thing. Like, Maybe it's a situation where, where when you're walking with the spirit as a leader or as a church member, you can sense that there's maybe something that needs to shift, something that needs to be more centered or something that needs to be more focused. And you can, to the degree that you're able, you can lead in that way, but it's really hard to have numbers, you know, how do you uh, put a number on the fruit of the spirit deepening in a Christian's life? (laughs) You know, how, how do I put a number on that? A guy has spent six months and learning deeply to love his wife more. There's not a, a yeah. way as a church leader. There, and you there's, probably won't ever see that either. No, no. And you, in some cases you may not, you, you may know it and you may not totally know it. Um, you can track attendance if you want. You can track, and I've heard this said, and I think it's true. It's better to track engagement, not attendance. I, I completely agree with that because that speaks to uh, how powerful your church is being in, in engagement. But again, it's not the only, you can't look at it as some sort of be all end all, but I do agree with this idea that, Hey, it's really not about how many people are put in the building. It's how those people that are here are engaged in the work of, of the new, of the new Testament Because church. you could have someone come in and be part of the gathering every week and be super quiet and reserved and kept to themselves. And 
going out and being in their small group or out in the community and thriving in their discipleship, but you may never even, you may never realize it. You may never realize And I think it. the danger yep. there is if we, if we try to place certain items as like the metrics, if you will, like, oh, is this person reading their Bible? Is this person, um, have they stopped screaming at their wife this week? Has, <laughs> does this person come to church? Does this person give financially and sacrificially and all that stuff? If you do that, you run the risk of becoming a deeply legalistic because at some point, if that's your culture, if that's what the leadership uses as a metric for, okay, does discipleship is increasing in our church? Well, the church will catch on to that. And at yes. some point, point yes. the church will replicate that and realize, well, this is the list. Yeah, what gets and measured. And if I do this list, <laughs> I then, I am, yeah, then I'm, I am I'm successful. a good disciple. And it, it's easy to pin that as a negative impulse. But the truth is any of us would do it. You start seeing something track these all these all these games that they make on these on these apps on phones nowadays are all based on triggering a dopamine hit because you hit a new level and you got a new high score and all this kind of stuff. It's just a natural impulse, and so I think it's fair to say if we're if we are tracking something, whether it's how many people we have in Sunday school in small groups, how many people we see doing acts of service uh, in a month at your church, um, how many people you had at outreach. I think it's 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 helpful for the leadership to track those things, but I, I'm not sure I'd post those on the fridge Yeah, because that's, because then what you're doing is you're kind of setting this expectation that, Hey, if you're really spiritual, you'll be showing up to these. And I'm not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying it's not good to show up to those things, but you, you might end up getting the cart before the horse where you start itemizing these metrics and, and it, so, so keep, maybe keep the metric if, if you think it's helpful, but, but hold it with an open hand. Yeah. I mean, we're quick to condemn the legalism that we see when it, adds unnecessary preferences over the scripture. But we also have to be careful that we call it the same legalism when we're creating metrics that aren't necessarily true measures of Christian growth and development. And something that I need to work on sometimes, and I, I hope no one else struggles with it, but it's those private inner conversations of, I can't believe they didn't show up to this. I can't believe they didn't participate in that mm. like i need to just i need to learn by the help of the spirit to knock that crap off because that's again maybe i'll never verbalize that to anyone but that stuff right there is a, i've built an internal legalism of like they're not meeting my standard of what true righteousness and uh discipleship looks like and that's dangerous man i appreciate you saying that because that is so true it's it's easy especially for church if you're a church staff member especially them, but it, it really could happen with anybody. I remember I was a volunteer and I, you know, before I was a, sta a paid staff member, I sort of, it was a de facto staff member. I would still serve in several ways um, because I love worship music, frankly, and I'm going to do it. If anybody's out there and you're wondering what the difference between loving something and liking something, I love worship music because if I didn't get paid for it, I would still do it. I love to do it. But, um, but it is easy when you're really engaged in a church to start looking around and judging people on things that you don't know all the challenges they're facing, you know, and it really is easy to, um, uh, to do that. Uh, Josh, what are some ideas for changing a church into a more discipleship focused culture? Well, I think the first step here, and I think this is something we had to do here at fellowship was you have to take really serious inventory of how your church is relating to one another. It, is there a culture of like, we just got to get this done and go home type of relationship or are there attempts at actually true, deep biblical accountability, 
and spiritual commitment to one another to help each other grow. I think you have to start at that point because if you don't, you're going to deceive yourself. Like take an honest look at your culture, a real honest look and say, have we built this into a machine or is this an an organism that's actually growing? Yeah. And are we, are we actually discipling people? And that question is hard because a lot of us, I mean, we were in the same boat. A lot of us don't like the answer that comes on the other side of it. Because to be honest, I think a lot of times it's not a healthy organism that's producing growth. We've just created a machine that functions so smoothly and so well over time. So while that may not be an idea for changing into the discipleship culture, it is it a, is a, it is kind of almost a starting point where you have to get Yeah, honest. you're talking about how to diagnose a, uh, a culture that's not... And it's not, that's uh, not to say, focused. that's not to say that we've figured it out and that, we, no, that we're doing it <laughs> flawlessly here because we're not, we have no, this a long is, way to grow. Yeah. Full disclosure. This is an ongoing process for us. This has been a focus of the church here at fellowship. I know for several years now, I know our pastor uh, leads well in this. June, 2020 is when we really started to kick it off. So we've gone about yeah. two years, yeah, two years in that direction. And it's been intentional and it's been focused and we still have a long way to go. We're not where we need to be, but but I do believe we have a group of people here that's fo- that's committed to continuing that sanctification process. I-, I would say that I've only been a part of a culture where this was happening here at Fellowship. So I can only speak to my experiences here and that's admittedly very limited. But I, I do think I've we've had a leader here. Josh and I have both benefited, benefited from Pastor Tyler's leadership here. And the two things I've seen him do, if I can speak to that, because uh, that's all, the only experience I have that I I have seen work well. And one, the first one was him be very, very intentional about the language we use here. So he started off uh, re- not too long ago with our four core values at Fellowship. It, and the four core values are Jesus first, people matter, serve others, and mission focused. And he refers to those core values all the time. And you say, well, you know, do you always have to talk about the same things? Look, I know it sounds... It sounds simple. It sounds too simple, but the thing, the pulpit drives the church. The pulpit leads the church. What's happening on stage is what's setting the tone for the congregation. And what you're talking about the most often is the most important to you. And so if we're, what we're talking about the most is the people inside the building and how to meet preferences uh, or pet projects of people inside the building or pet subjects, right? right? If all I can talk about is eschatology because everybody wants to know when Jesus is coming back. You know, if I'm so focused on our pet topics here in the building, yeah, what I'm setting the, I, I'm not saying it, but I'm saying essentially that what matters to this church the most is us. You know, it's just us uh, enjoying our Christian life. It's not service. It's not discipleship. It's not growth. So leading from the front and being very intentional about the language we use uh, is huge. Spending time on the things that matter. If, if discipleship matters to you, you got to lead like it matters to you. You got to lead like it's the driving force of the church. And then the second thing I've seen him do is really, you talked about auditing, like taking inventory. That happened here. Like, hey, do our Sunday school classes slash small groups, whatever you call them and however you do it, do they actually look like we're encouraging people to have a devotional life during the week? Do we actually, do they actually look like we want people to memorize scripture? Do we actually have corporate prayer together? And this has affected our worship services on Sunday morning. This this inventory has 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 had a domino effect. Um, do do our uh, class does our class time 
encourage feedback from the participants. So they're not just recipients and consumers, but they're engaged in helping other people grow. What are we, and, and we have gone systematically through the church. And again, <laughs> we're very early in that process. In my yeah. view, we've got a long way to go, but I, this is just a couple of, of things I've seen from, from his leadership here at fellowship that I have seen bear fruit in small ways and move that wheel forward. It's moved that needle uh, on the discipleship focus in a positive way. And I've been very grateful to, to have seen it and be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, I remember conversations that we had, me and pastor, just some like really hard conversations looking at this thing. And what really did it for us, I think was COVID and, and COVID really helped reset our focus and opened our eyes to the way things kind of actually were. So yeah, we had some, we had some tough conversations uh, but I think it really has sparked a good thing. You have to, like I said already, you have to be honest though and sort of face the music in some areas before yes. you can actually see growth. The, a couple other things that I had um, to kind of come off of what you said there. In addition to what you say from the pulpit, don't just say though, do it. You say and model this. Oh, that's a good. A discipleship mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Which is what... I believe our pastor has done well as well. It's not just something he talks about. It's something he's doing. Yeah. He holds himself accountable mm -hmm. to the congregation for his engagement. In that. And, I, and I hope we can get back special. to this point. But when we first started making this shift, he was not a, a leader of one of our small groups. He was a participant in one of our small groups. And that was very intentional. We did that on purpose because he acknowledged, I need to grow too. And I think that helped our congregation really latch on yes. to to focusing on discipleship more. And then the other thing I would say kind of on a more practical way is to provide as many opportunities as possible to put people into situations that encourage honesty, transparency, and vulnerability over time. Now that part, when you do that, if that's something you want to commit to, <laughs> you have to commit to the long haul on that because it's not going to just happen. Yeah, that's probably the hardest part. I mean, like, let's get, let's just go there, Clay. Let's take your class. I feel like we have we have gotten a lot better at this in your class, but I think we still have room to grow and develop. And I think it just takes time. Like you just have to commit to the grind because, and I know because I know you, it's discouraging sometimes. It is. To want to help people grow and to dive deeper with people and to see nonchalant attitudes, apathy, lack of participation. Yeah. And even if I, if I'll just, well, I'll go ahead and say it to see people actually disengage because they don't want that. Yeah. That is so discouraging. You're, I remember talking to pastor Tyler about this and him saying at one point, Hey, this actually might lead to smaller groups than we've had before. This might actually lead to smaller Sunday school classes than we had before, but he said, that's okay because the people we'll have will be people committed to growing not just consumeristic receivers of information. He said, I'd rather have smaller groups that are actually striving for discipleship and growth than to have bigger groups of consumers. Man, I, I respect the heck out of him for being willing to go there, but he actually was dead right. That is what we yeah. saw. Well, and that it's true. And it's like, we all would hear that and say, amen. But when you're sitting in that. Yes. It's that's hard. not easy. It's hard. Yeah. So, so to you, a little encouragement, don't, don't be discouraged. Keep on, you know, don't, 
just keep going, man. Like, it's okay. This is going to take some time. Yes. And I just, I don't know. I think it takes some people, it takes longer to see the value of real Christian discipleship. No question. And it just, as those who come along and help people, our goal is not to actually change them. You can take a, you can lead a horse to water, but you can never make it drink. Our goal is never to actually change somebody. Our goal is to help them see the beauty of Christ, the glory of truly following Jesus, and then say, okay, now you participate in this. Yes. And we can't make them do it. And that's something that if you're interested in, in going more in that discipleship focus, you just have to, to prepare yourself for discouragement in the long haul, because not everyone's going to be as excited about it as you are. Yeah. And you're going to have to bathe yourself in prayer and you're going to have to bathe your church in prayer. I mean, the truth is this is the work that only God's spirit can do in people. This is not something you and I can do. We're talking about these ideas and we're talking about things we do. Ultimately, ultimately, this is us obeying what scripture teaches, but the work, the real work that needs to be done is a work that only God can do in people. And so we have to plead with him. We have to be committed to a culture of prayer where we're constantly saying, God, change us. God, make us who we're supposed to be. And God, help us reach people and minister to people and bring them into a culture. Help us to make disciples. Because the truth is, without God's spirit, we're not going to be making anything yep. um, that's worthwhile. And that'll last, right? The fruit that lasts will be the work that God does in people's hearts, not just something we're able to affect um, as a change in the church. Josh, if I could end with this, I actually reached out to Pastor Tyler about this subject. I said, hey, we're going to talk. And I know we're going to draw on our experiences here at Fellowship. Uh, what thoughts do you have on changing a church culture to discipleship focus? And this is his answer. And I love this. He says, the practically the production of disciples through a local church is facilitated through different delivery systems. That includes the family, personal relationships, small groups or large groups, church worship services, and any church ministry. But this is what I, I love this part here. Listen to what he says. He says, I would say in order to get a church to switch to a more discipleship focus, we have to share the importance that Jesus placed on it. A church that is not intentional about making disciples has missed the very reason they exist. And that dis and discipleship is not just one component of the church. It is the guiding value that permeates every area of the church. Man, that's good. We can get that guy on the podcast. <laughs> we got to get Pastor Tyler on the podcast. But for real though, he said that's the ministry of Jesus. Look at, look at that. Okay. We just talk, done talking about the long game. It took three and a half years for those disciples to figure it out. To get 12, to get 11. To get, yeah, <laughs> to get 11 guys to figure it out. But when they figured it out. Changed the world. They turned the world upside down. That's crazy to think about. And it wasn't because of them, it was because of who they were following. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's it, that's that. It's our first core value here at Fellowship, Jesus first. You've gotta be pointing people to Christ. I would love to hear from our listeners. If you've been listening to all this and you have some uh, an insight, I'm sure there's things we missed, you know, important focuses for bringing a discipleship focus in a church. If you've experienced something that really benefited your church and you would like to share that, please shoot us an email yeah. or reach or DM us on social media. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts and I would love to um, to hear hear from you. What, what what do you think and have you experienced this? What have you learned? Uh, Cause I would like, we'd love to benefit from that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Which Josh kind of uh, sets up well next 
episode, we're going to talk about legalism versus license. Yep. Uh, we hinted at that today on if you focus on only one part of discipleship, you'll get buried into one of these ditches. We want to talk about two big ditches that you can get into, and that's the subject of legalism versus license. What is legalism? Uh, how do we define it? Why does it matter? And what is the alternative, uh, the other ditch, which is running into, into license? I can't wait to talk about that. It's a great subject. And hey, do us a favor. If you enjoy the podcast, hop on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume the content and leave us a rating or review. We haven't got any ratings or reviews in quite a while, so we're pretty convinced you guys don't love us anymore. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, hop on there. Leave us a rating or review. What do you think, Clay? Maybe on the next episode, if we get some new ratings or reviews, we'll read some. We'll of them. read them. That yeah. would be great. Let's hey, do it. and something I did last episode, I would. You know, we don't. We won't have to do this, but I wouldn't mind praying for you guys again. If there's somebody that needs prayer, you'd like for us to pray for you on the podcast. Shoot us your prayer request. Maybe we'll do it. And hey, another thing, if you have a funny church story, I know this is kind of random, but if you have a funny church story, we might read that on the podcast too. I just, I love a good funny church story. Maybe I'll share some of my own going forward, but anything funny that's happened in ministry to you, a funny complaint you've got uh, that oh, you I'm just, sure that's stuck with you, yeah. uh, or uh, or just a, a, something that happened in a church service, anything. Uh, let's see what you got. Yeah, absolutely. Josh, Thanks. what do you think, man? There it is. There it is. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Baptist Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review wherever you consume the content. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Young Baptist Pod. Check out our website, theyoungbaptistpodcast.com, for more resource recommendations, our merch store, and to join our YBP community. <laughs> <laughs>